Hi everyone, this is Michael and I'm here with Andre and welcome to Radically Normal. Today we'll be talking with Dr. Kyungjin Lee, who's the Associate Professor of Old Testament Studies at Fuller Seminary in Pasadena, California. Dr. Lee, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Andre, for having me here this morning. It's a privilege. So aside from what Michael just uh, said, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit further? Um, you know, go ahead and, and uh, take, take a few seconds to do that. Sure. Uh, so I guess um, some things about myself. I grew up as a missionary daughter in La Paz, Bolivia, and uh, my parents have been there for almost four decades now. And I grew up uh, among children because they have a, a school, a church and school that is dedicated to children from pre-K through grade 12 in a very rural part of La Paz. Um, I came to the U.S. to do college education, and I've been since then studying and reading the Old Testament. And fast forward, uh, I am now uh, embarking on a journey to study international political theory so I can gain insight and incorporate that into my reading of the Old Testament. Awesome. And thank you so much for joining us, and we hope everyone enjoys this interview. Uh, to kick off, uh, like Michael said, uh, Dr. Lee is kind of an expert when it comes to the Old Testament, but specifically today we want to talk mainly on the book of Deuteronomy. Um, and so to start off, why is the book of Deuteronomy so important for understanding the rest of the Old Testament and the rest of the Bible? Yeah, thank you for the question. So I am actually uh, really passionate about uh, the book of Deuteronomy, and I hope one day I am, when I grow up, I'm going to uh, make some contribution um, for the book of uh, Deuteronomy's uh, understanding for the broader readership uh, in church and maybe even outside the church. Uh, that is why I am taking this uh, political theoretical angle. So the book of Deuteronomy is easy to miss in thinking, oh, it's such a challenging book. It's all about laws. And in this 21st century, who cares about ancient laws, right? And just skip over Yet, I actually think it is the backbone of the Old Testament theology uh, and also for the, re the rest of the Bible. For instance, uh, many of your listeners may know the fact that uh, the one book Jesus quoted the most was the book of Deuteronomy, right? So right there you go, it's, it, it comes highly recommended. I would like to also recommend it because it is highly, highly practical. It answers some of the most rational and relevant uh, questions that, you know, we as contemporary 21st century people, global citizens, wherever you are in your local uh, context or broader context, all those questions that you may be thinking of on a daily basis, like your relationship with your neighbors upstairs and, and next door are actually addressed uh, in this really important book. So let's set it up first, uh, what the backdrop of this book is. So Moses, as you know, uh, has been leading the um, Israelites for the past 40 years um, in the desert, in the wilderness, making this long journey, can you imagine, for 40 years. So all these generations who were born in the wilderness, the only leader, the only father figure, grandfather figure that they um, known and looked up to is only Moses, and Moses is about to um, die. It's a really, really poignant emotional moment because, you know, this wilderness generation never knew anybody else but Moses. So it is a really uh, sorrowful, meaningful, significant moment for the Israelites and also for Moses. Can you imagine you're leaving behind? Uh, you've been the father figure for all these children. 
you saw being born, growing up, getting married, having their own families, and now you're about to say goodbye to them. So it is individually uh, a poignant moment, but also for a nation, it is a really significant moment. Why? Because until now, they were just a group of errant people lost in the wilderness, all together doing this really, really hard journey. Um, but now their identity is about to be changed and transformed. Once they cross the Jordan River from east to west, their status, their identity changes from errant, meandering people to that of a nation, right? They become a formal people. It's a grand moment. And for that, they need something that modern people would call constitution, ground rules. How are we going to relate ourselves to one another, right? Now we are going to be neighbors. We are going to form a society. Our children are going to have relationships with their other people's children when they go to school, right? What kind of social uh, system are we going to uh, live by, right? What are the penal codes? What are the civil codes when people commit crimes because Right. Even though God shows us we're not perfect people, there are all kinds of scenarios that are going to rise as we live in real society as real people. Right. So this is a momentous event. So right now they are standing on the other side of the Jordan River, right, in the land of Moab. That is the uh, present. And in this deathbed speech of Moses, as he is about to die, he talks about the past. He says, look, children of Israel, what we have come through, right? What we have experienced together for the past 40 years. What did God do for us, right? What have we seen? What have we learned about him, right? And there are some really, really uh, emotional moments, right? There were ups and downs for the past 40 years that these people experienced together in the company of God, all the mighty acts of salvation that God did for them, the fact that God chose them out, out of so many different other nations in order to lead them into the promised land, right? And they were really holding on to God for the future and for the day-by-day -day affairs, right? They needed water. I mean, something as, as trivial or as significant as needing food and water, they depended on God, right? Uh, and now, after all that really uh, deeply um, binding set of experiences, Moses is about to leave which means it's about the future. And I want to hear parenthetically uh, ask, right, our listeners to think for a moment, if I were to face my deathbed moment, what would I want to talk about to the people around my bed, right? What highlights about my journey, right, on this earth do I want to mention? What kind of vision would I want to leave behind for my descendants, for the people I love, right? What has been the past? What have we gone through? What have we learned about the character of God through my life experiences, right? Through our journey together. Now, even though I'm not going to be here, what do I want to see my children, their children, and their children, right? 
what kind of life do I want them to design and lead intentional, intentionally for themselves, right? And that is what Moses is doing here. He talks about the future. He says, when we become without me, when you guys become a nation, right? When you guys become a nation, what kind of nation shall you become? And that is the question he is proposing here. And here now, even though I can go into so much more detail, maybe we'll do that, uh, we'll address some of that later, but I want to highlight for those uh, people who do read the book of Deuteronomy, hopefully after this podcast, they are so inspired. The first thing they do is read the book of Deuteronomy. I want them to grab hold on to four major theological views that are present uh, in the book of Deuteronomy. So they have some um, landmarks as they read the 34th chapter. So the first thing to notice here is the covenant with Yahweh which must be renewed and repeated in every generation. And it is a two-sided contract that binds Yahweh and Israel, right? Our God and me as an individual, our God and our community, right? As a two-partite contract. So the covenant, this is not an abstract concept because every generation, right? It, it's not sufficient to say, oh, Moses did it. 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, doesn't matter who you are in whatever social context. Now, this generation must renew that covenant with God, right? Me. And the second thing is, Israel has only one God and no other gods to worship, right? It doesn't matter what the world, rest of the world, you know, maybe worshiping or not even, but I choose this one God, and I am going to uh, worship and serve this God, that intentional attitude. That's the third one. Israel is a united people that acts as a whole people. We, the Christ followers, no matter what, what continent we are in, we are on, or what society we are part of, right? What color of skin, our highest priority is the fact that we are united people by Christ. That is our solidarity. That is our unity. We are one people and by the blood of Jesus Christ, right? We prioritize the fact that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Number four, there's only one place, according to the book of worshiped and he chose to make his divine name to dwell in that land he chose that is the attitude of deuteronomy right and that is what theologically we call technically the centralization of worship the worship for yahweh only happens in one designated place that is called jerusalem that is the position unequivocal position of the book of Deuteronomy. What do we know? What do we learn from this position? God is sovereign. He could have chosen so many other locations, right? But for whatever reason, he chose Jerusalem. And we learn about God, about God's um, authority to choose whatever he chooses, whomever he chooses, just like Israel. So I will pause there because I think those are some of the highlights that we can grab hold of and uh, try to read the book of Deuteronomy uh, according to these significant uh, characteristics.
That's awesome. Thank you so much. And I really hope if people are getting into Deuteronomy and they're not familiar with it, that that's like, it gives them something to work with, gives them like a, a, a backbone to dive into the book with. So thinking about what you said, you talked about how, uh, what would Moses say? What would we say if it was like our last, like our last time to speak? And we see like in the first 11 chapters and then to close out the book, we see him talking a lot. Um, but at the beginning of the, the book in chapter four, he talks a bit about how they are to show God's glory and wisdom to the nations, that the nations will look at um, Israel and see Yahweh's wisdom and what he's doing amongst them. So could you talk a little bit about Israel's relationship with other nations and how they were to, to be a light to those peoples? Yeah, and for that, I think we could go to Deuteronomy chapter four, verses uh, five and onward. Um, let me read a small pericope from there. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am sending before you today? So this nation has been chosen to be a model nation. I think it is very important here to stress the fact that there was no beauty pageant, there was no competition, right? Where people were being and uh, clamoring, choose me, choose me, right? And somebody won out of this competition. God chose for whatever reason, Israel. And we don't know what that reason was, right? There, nowhere in the Bible God explains, I chose Israel according to this criteria. No, God just chose. Now, so what is God's purpose? He wants to accomplish something, a set of things probably, uh, through Israel. Let me also read chapter 7, verses 6 through 8. For you are a people holy, set apart to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his prized possession out of all peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord did not set his affection on you and chose you because you were more numerous than the other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath, he swore to your fathers, he brought you out with a mighty hand, redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So Israel is unique because it has Yahweh as its God who will guard, guide, and prosper Israel's affairs so long as these people remain, normally we say faithful. Let's be more realistic about you know, our reality. God wants loyalty, loyalty. You know, something we all want from our family members, from our friends, from members in our club, right? People we associate with, we want loyalty. That's what God wants, nothing extraordinary here. And sincerity to his Torah, sincerity to his revealed divine will. You know, the beauty I think of the book of Deuteronomy is that God makes it very clear in a very economical fashion what he wants from us, right? 
And he also makes his intentions very crystal clear about, among other things, why God chose Israel to accomplish something, right? To make it, to ch he chose Israel to make the kind of nation, the kind of society that is set apart from other societies. What am I trying to emphasize here? The fact that God chose Israel without any justifiable reasoning should keep also us, people who feel like, oh, God tapped on my shoulder and decided to have a relationship with me, with my family, right? Should keep us humble. There was nothing by which I earned this privilege of being loved by God, right? None of us can say, I came from such an awesome family that God chose me and my family to serve him in his vineyard, right? The fact that Michael, you and I, Andre, the three of us right now are doing this podcast rather than, rather than studying for, you know, boring exams or golfing or being <laughs> just out there and enjoying the sun. I mean, whatever random, right? But we are right now engaged in this really interesting conversation about discovering God through the book of Deuteronomy, right? This is not necessarily something that we are doing because we are better than other human beings, right? We are doing this because God chose to use us to reveal the book of Deuteronomy to, to other people through us. So we are just a vehicle, right? And Israel is also a vehicle, certainly a very privileged vehicle, but God could have, at the end of the day, let us remember, God could have taken this Torah, this instruction to any other nation, to South Africa, you know, not in the, not 3000 years or so approximately, or in, in the 21st century, God could have, you know, I mean, it is to say, I tell my students all the time, Christ could have come in a different time, in a diff, to a different place, right? He came to Judah, right? Uh, to a small province, to a small colony under Romans, rather than going to a mighty nation and being born in a royal right, palace. That would have given him so much advantage, right? By utilizing force, by utilizing accomplish his, bringing his kingdom from heaven to earth. I don't know, that could have expedited things, but no, God does what he, got, he does for whatever reason, we do not know. So once again, I want to stress the book of Deuteronomy emphasizes the theme of sovereignty. And that is directly related to your question, Michael, right? Israel's relationship with other nations. God is using Israel as a conduit, right? To other nations to say, this is the kind of role model nation right? This is the kind of nation I hope all other societies can be too, right? Now, I want to also insert here the caveat. Did actually Israel become that nation and did everything that the book of Deuteronomy says they should do? That's a wholly different question, okay? Because the book of Deuteronomy, after it ends, now we have to move on and read the rest of the Old Testament to know what happened, right? To the book of Deuteronomy and its application. That's a wholly different question. But God chose to, once again, use Israel as 
a model here on earth for whatever kind of society God would like to be part of. And that people can be the kind of society he wants all of us to be. That was really, really insightful, Dr. Lee, especially uh, liked uh, how you mentioned that you know, God, uh, he really wants the relationship with Israel. He wants them to be set apart. And we begin to see this you know, unravel in the rest of scripture um, with a topic that you know, Michael and I uh, both have talked about extensively on the podcast, if you've listened before, and, and that is uh, through covenant. So could you uh, talk a little bit about how the theme of covenant is unraveled in the book of Deuteronomy and into the rest of scripture? Yes. So the covenant, I think in my, uh, reflected um, by my own church experience growing up, the word covenant was so abstract to me growing up, right? It was this big word and it was even some fear inducing kind of a word because it's so intimidating, right? God, me, we are bound by this covenant. But in practice, I did not necessarily know how that translates into my daily life. And I think that is also the experience of many people growing up in church, according to what I heard in my classrooms and outside classrooms. So I would like to say, you know, actually the book of uh, Deuteronomy does a great job in helping us break down what this covenant means, right? Very practical. So it's a contract. It gives actually the blueprints as to how we ought to live our lives on a quotidian, right? On a daily basis. Um, Instead of just giving us something so esoteric and saying, decode this, decipher this secret, you know, material and try to live according to that. No, everything is really clearly broken down. So we just apply that in our daily life, right? So this is a two way understanding the covenant two-way understanding between god and us god exemplified uh through uh the book of uh, deuteronomy and people of israel so let me first read a few verses from chapter one uh excuse me chapter five deuteronomy chapter five verses one through three it says the following moses summoned all the israelites and said to them hear o israel the laws and rules that i proclaim to you this day Study them and observe them faithfully. The Lord, our God, made a covenant with us at Horeb. It was not with our fathers that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, the living, every one of us who is here today. Okay. So once again, this is not abstract in the sense that, oh, once upon a time, like a myth, right? A legend. Once upon a time, God had this covenant with our great, 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 great grandfathers, you know, our ancestors, period. No, in every generation, this contract is renewed with the people alive, the living generation. So no one can say, I never agreed to that. I wasn't there. No one can say that, right? We as believers, after all these centuries, must imagine God called us to stand at Mount Horeb. And now in front of this fiery, flaming, right? In really intimidating mountain at which we are standing, we all raise our right hand, if you will, and we are entering into a contract with God, right? This is a contractual relationship. So what does that mean? 
it shows us that actually, if we go back to the beginning of the Old Testament from the, from the book of Genesis and onward, right? Basically the Old Testament can be summarized as a literature about the relationship with God, right? How do we learn about this grand character of God by relating with him? It's not about by reading some doctrine or reading a whole set of literature, right? By relating, experiencing, and that is what we see from the book of Genesis and onward, right? So in Deuteronomy, God's relationship with his people is the word covenant, and God enters into covenant with his people. And Moses begins with a long story of how Israel failed in their relationship with God. Why? How? They didn't trust him. They didn't obey him. They didn't follow him. And another really important aspect, you know, of this covenant and history is that God initiates this relationship and promises to love, guide, and protect his people, right? So what is Israel supposed to do in this contractual relationship? God's people are to trust God, listen obediently, and follow him wholeheartedly. Simple things, yet so hard in our actual life, right? Trust, listen, and follow. Now, you know, even though we learned that um, faith is blind, I also want to submit to you, is it really blind? Because according to what we see here in the book of Deuteronomy and the rest of the, in the rest of the scripture, well, God has a great track record. If anything, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, right? Um, in highlighting the fact that this is about relationship with God and asking us, trust God. Well, what warrants my trust in God, right? Because we are, after all, we need compelling reasons to trust God. The Bible repeatedly says, remember what God did for your ancestors, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. If anyone can be trusted as somebody who has an unfailing record, that is God. And I want to say to our listeners right now, you know, this is such an emotional thing because no matter where you find right now yourself in life, what season of life you are going through, I want you to look back for a moment, your journey with God. Can you attest to the fact that God has been unfailing in your life and he has been faithful to you? That is for you to answer. As for me, I can tell you, God has been every single time so faithful. It does not mean that he has vaccinated us completely against the travails and turbulences and broken relationships that you know, this world has to offer because we, we do live in a broken world, right? So let us not mistake being covenantal people with, oh, if I give my life to Christ and if I abide in this covenant, it inoculates me from cancer, it inoculates me from uh, breakups, it inoculates me from financial hardships. No, it does not because we live in a broken world. Reality is such, we do not live in heaven yet, but we can all attest to the fact that God is faithful. Therefore, we can trust him. And that is what the book of Deuteronomy is here to remind us. That's really good. Oh. Okay, um, 
let me just add one more thing, please. So the rest of the Old Testament, right? God continues to enter into a relationship with his people to be their covenantal, you know, people. Uh, and God is going to continue to love them, continue to guide them and protect them. And this love relationship is going to uh, be about continuing to trust him and continuing to obey and continuing to follow. And as I said, that is really difficult. And so we do it all over again, over and over again. That's really good. And I like how you said, I even wrote it down, trust, trusting God, listening to God, following God. And so one of the ways we best do that is when we see that God is faithful to his covenant and that we can trust him, we begin more and more to listen to his word and to obey his word. And so in the Pentateuch, we see God's word, particularly in the form of the law at, uh, in Exodus uh, through Deuteronomy. And so when we're talking about the law, a lot of people nowadays might see it as something that's more legalistic, something that's a barrier to their relationship with the Lord. Um, you even hear a lot of language like it's about relationship, it's not about rules, but those, those two things kind of go together. And so can you talk about how we can maybe see God's law as a blessing, not as a barrier or a limitation? Yeah, and I think um, that is really uh, important to think about um, in two different um, aspects about what you said. Um, so let me uh, mention two things. So one, as rational people that the Deuteronomy is addressing, right, like us, life is about choices. Life is about choices. There are, let's face it, there are different worldviews right now that compete for our attention. It's like marketing, right? They're constantly trying to say, oh, come to shop at home, uh, Whole Foods. Oh, no, 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 come to shop at Walmart, come to shop. They're, everyone is trying to demand our attention and they're all competing. Same goes with religion. There are so many religions out there. There are so many different philosophies. There are so many different persuasions that they're all competing for our attention. So in life, we all have to make decisions and we all have to choose because if anything, life is really, really short, right? And it is true when our, you know, parents, grandparents say that as they age, the days seem to be going by even quicker. So, so true, right? Now that I'm a mom, um, I definitely think that time is, it does not feel the same way it felt when I was in my 20s, when I was a college student, right? So we all have to choose and lead intentional lives. And for that, I, I want to once again read from the book of Deuteronomy. It says in chapter 30, verses 19 and 20. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life so that you and your descendants may live and that you may love the Lord your God, obey him and hold fast to him. For he is your life and he will prolong your life in the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. I want to submit to our listeners, once again, life is short. There's no, not much time to be meandering around, right? So gotta take the intentional path. Do not be a Christian because, oh, well, I was born in X state where most of my neighbors are Christians. They go to church on Sunday. So it's cultural, right? Or I was born in a family. We are supposed to be all Christians. So it's a family decision. No, don't defer to those factors. Why are you a Christ follower? 
right? Did you make that decision rationally and intentionally? And then what does that mean? If you are a Christ follower, does that, is that reflected in your daily life, in the choices you make? What kind of life do you live? Do people see your action and they think, oh, that is the action of a Christian person, right? Uh, does my work ethic reveal that I'm a Christ follower, that I am set apart over other people because I reflect the values that the Bible preaches, teaches? Am I living my life according to what I preach, right? I mean, so I, I definitely think that uh, Deuteronomy, especially, you know, according to this chapter 30 we just read, it shows us be rational. Make a choice now. And since life is cho uh, short, right, own up to that decision and live a rationally intentional life. If you think that there is a value in following Christ and saying, my house and I will serve the Lord, then that is the next phase, right? What does that mean? And one other thing, the second thing that I wanted to talk about is, yeah, if you, when you have time, I hope you will get to read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 20 through 25, and understand that this is not just about my generation, me making a commitment to serve God and to lead a, an intentional life, but it is also about teaching the next generation and inculcating these same testimonies I can attest to about God's power, about God's love and faithfulness, and pass that on to the next generation. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I hope that you know everyone learned something about the book of Deuteronomy today. But we just wanted to ask you uh, a quicker, lighter question that we, we love asking our guests on the podcast. But uh, do you have like a influential uh, Christian uh, from the past few months, maybe even past few years, or even a um, influential book or a different a resource that you could offer to our listeners that has influenced you uh, positively that you've learned from in the past uh, few months to a year uh, that you'd like to share? Sure. Um, I think it's very important to have some perspective about what we do, right? And for that, I know it's a heavy kind of reading. It's not definitely the lightest or the shortest but I would recommend anything written by Charles Taylor. Charles Taylor is a Canadian um, theologian, philosopher, historian. I mean, he wears so many hats, but all these questions that the book of Deuteronomy seeks to you know, address, very practical questions, you know, he, uh, Charles Taylor uh, addresses by giving us a, some historical perspectives on how is that we live in the society in which we live today. That's great because a secular age has, really long book. That's actually on my summer reading list. I got it at home. So um, looking forward to diving, uh, diving into that in the next week. Next one. So that's awesome. And then the next, the next lighter question that we ask, just the last one is uh, we're both big coffee drinkers and we're wondering if you have a favorite coffee drink, if you drink coffee or anything of that sort. Oh yes. I mean, day starts uh, with one cup of coffee every day, religiously. Um, favorite coffee. Um, usually in our household, uh, my husband who used to uh, work in the coffee business uh, earlier in his life, he is the one who prepares the coffee. So <laughs> I am very privileged to, you know, sample some of the world's best coffees around here. That's awesome. awesome. And 
Uh, just anyone listening, if you enjoyed this conversation, please go and check out the book of Deuteronomy. You'll learn a lot from it. Um, I know I did by reading a bit of it uh, in preparation for this interview. And if uh, you learned something, then send this interview to a friend. Uh, maybe they'll learn something too. And check out our Instagram page at Radical Normal Pod. Um, but thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you back next week.